0: Please open your Bibles this morning to Hebrews chapter 5, Hebrews chapter 5, and today we are looking together from verse 11 through to chapter 6, verse 3. Were the teachers that you most admired as you think back to school, primary school, high school? Who were the teachers that you most admired? Do some names come to your mind? I think of Mrs. Lewis, my piano teacher. I think of Mr. Anderson, my year six teacher. And as I look back, the reason why I liked them so much. Well, for a start, I should say that they were easily the the strictest teachers I had. Some would say harsh in their discipline. But I liked them, and as I look back, I admire them because they were no-nonsense. They never put up with excuses. They didn't care if I liked them. (laughs) They expected a lot from me, and they pushed me hard. And I think today we hear the preacher to the Hebrews, because Hebrews, I believe, is a sermon, we hear the preacher showing exactly this kind of approach. He is going to push us hard today. You might pray for my voice, that it makes it through the next 30 minutes as well. And the Holy Spirit, through these words, is pushing us all hard. The Holy Spirit is going to push us all hard because he authored these words. He's speaking to us by these words today. Now, the preacher has been teaching on the order of Melchizedek, and he senses that this is hard for his listeners to understand. It's hard for them. And so he now diverges, and I think there is perhaps a note of frustration in the preacher's voice, as he diverges from this hard teaching on Melchizedek, listen to what he says. We have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. The preacher is saying the reason you are finding it hard to understand about this teaching about Jesus' high priesthood and the order of Melchizedek is because you no longer try to understand. Literally, the original language, you've become lazy. You should be teaching by this time, he says, but you are stuck on the elementary principles. It's a Greek word that meant the basic elements of a subject, the ABCs, if you like. And you've reverted, you've reverted yourself, in fact, from solid food back to milk. When he says, you need milk, not solid food, he's he's castigating them there. He's not saying, I want you to go back to milk. He's saying, this is the position you've put yourself in. You need milk instead of solid food. And so the teacher, the preacher here, is provoking his listeners, isn't he? He's provoking them, if not shaming them by likening them to little infants. And the Holy Spirit is perhaps provoking you and me this morning through these words. He goes on to say, anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature. Solid food, the King James Version, strong meat is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. The preacher is saying you've reverted yourself to infancy. You should be mature. Who are the mature? The mature are those who have constantly trained themselves for their behaviour, their choices, their thinking to distinguish between what is good and what is evil. That's what the mature do. They train themselves to distinguish between what is good and evil, what is helpful from what is harmful, what is wholesome from what is poisonous, what is wise from what is foolish. And brothers and sisters, you need this maturity. I need this kind of maturity that Hebrews is talking about. We need to grow up, because we live in a war zone. In case you haven't noticed, we live in a spiritual war zone. If you don't know that, you're asleep. There are mines and traps all around you. The enemy is very clever. He's much more clever than you. And he's constantly sniping at you and shooting at you. The devil is constantly bombarding you with his lights. Life will be better without Jesus, he says. Easier, happier, more free. What young person doesn't hear that in their ears all the time? Young person, how much happier you would be without Christ. So much more freedom without him. The devil says to our young people, the gospel is for your parents, it's for their generation, it's for the past, it's not for the future. And he says that the Bible's teaching about marriage and sex is too narrow, too restrictive. The devil comes and he says, don't think about death, don't think about it, it's so far away. Things will work out in any case. The devil says if you walk away from Jesus you won't feel that burden anymore that guilt, a load will be lifted come on This is the war zone that we live in and if you are going to survive in this war zone Hebrews says you must be mature you must grow up You are going to need, if you are going to survive, a deep, thorough, precise understanding of the gospel. You're going to need absolute conviction about the gospel, what the word of God says. And that's why the preacher has been talking about Jesus' high priesthood. He's not been talking about the order of Melchizedek to dazzle them with his knowledge and his scholarship. He's talking about the high priesthood of Jesus and the order of Melchizedek because they need detail. They need depth. They need a robust understanding of who Christ is and what he's done for us. Because if they don't have that robust understanding, they will not survive. And that's why the preacher is frustrated. You need to know these deep things, he says. You need to understand these deep things or well, you won't survive. But I can't tell you about these deep things because you're still babies. That's what he's saying. Now, why is it that doctors train for six years, isn't it, normally? I think it's five in Tasmania. Not quite, quite sure why. Our doctors need to be slightly less trained in Tasmania, but they're, they're smarter, aren't they, Paul? Right? Okay. <coughs> They do it quicker. They train for six years, but that's, that's not the end of it, is it? I believe it's another six or seven years to specialise, and I don't think that's the end of it, is it? There's constant training that goes on after that. Why do doctors need to train so much? Why do they have to learn so much? Why do they need this depth of knowledge? It's because the human body is astonishingly complex, and there are many thousands of ways of attacking the human body, And so they need to understand these things. They need to understand the human body and all its complexity and the thousands of diseases and accidents that can attack and destroy it. This is what the writer to the Hebrews is saying, brothers and sisters. The gospel is complex, it has to be, because our needs are complex. God saw the depth, the complexity of our need, and he provided for every aspect of it. That's why the gospel is wonderfully complex. But if we're going to survive in this war zone of lies and worldliness, in an anti-Christian society, then we're going to have to understand it in its depth. We're going to have to understand how it works. We're gonna to have to understand the thousands of ways in which it can be attacked. And so Hebrews goes on to say in chapter six Therefore, therefore, let us move beyond the A B Cs. Let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ. Be taken forward to maturity. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God, instruction about cleansing rites, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment, and God permitting, we will do so. Do you hear how the preacher is saying the same thing three times over in verses 1 to 3? Move beyond the ABCs, he's saying. And then be taken forward to maturity. And then build up on the foundation that you have. This is life or death, isn't it? Again, the preacher is saying you are not going to survive as Christians, as a church. If you don't understand the depth of the gospel, it's full complexity. And so we need to grow up into maturity. We need to build on the foundation that has been laid. Now, a question. Does Christian growth and maturity, does it come from and through God or Does it come through our effort and hard training? Which is it? Christian maturity, does it come from God or does it come from our effort and our hard training? Well, Hebrews is saying both. Both. We depend on God by diligently using the helps that he has given us. I can always tell the person who is dependent on God I can always pick the person who's dependent on God because they are making diligent use of his gifts. Diligent use of prayer. Diligent use of his word, reading it, day in, day out. Diligent use of the gathering of God's people, the sacraments. The person who's most dependent on God is the person who is most diligent in the use of of the gifts that God has given us, to grow in him. And I can always pick the self-reliant person. I can always pick the complacent person. They neglect the things that God has given them to grow. And so Hebrews says that we must move beyond the ABCs, these foundational truths. And it's very interesting, isn't it? The five truths that the preacher mentions as basic, elementary. These are the ABCs. I wouldn't have picked these things. If you'd asked me, what are the ABCs of the Christian faith? What are the five most basic things? I wouldn't have picked these. But these are the things he, he says. Repentance from dead works, yes. I would have put that in. Faith in God. Yes, I would have put that in. But instruction about baptisms... That's what it is, literally, instruction about washings or or baptisms. And here, this is almost certainly referring to the washing rites of the Old Testament, the various washing ceremonies of the Old Testament. And I think this is an example of what we call a synecdoche. A synecdoche is one thing that stands for a lot of things. And I think he's talking about baptisms standing for the full ceremonial law of the Old Testament. And the author of the Hebrews is saying we need to understand these things. And we need to understand their place in redemptive history. We need to understand how they illustrate the work of Christ. But we also need to understand how they are fulfilled in Christ <laughs> and have been surpassed and superseded by Christ. The fourth foundational thing is the laying on of hands. I wouldn't have put that in. And this seems to be referring to the setting aside of of leaders. We see it in the book of Acts. We see it in Timothy. We see the church laying hands, setting aside people for mission work, for diaconal work, the work of the pastor and elder. This is basic, the author of the Hebrew says. And finally, the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. I would have put this in. How would this list compare with your ABCs? Resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment is a basic thing here, foundational something we need to grasp and then we need to build on it and build to maturity. Do you hear this morning what your father is saying to you? He is saying, brothers and sisters, beloved, he's saying that if we are going to stand firm with Christ, if we are not going to be persuaded away from the gospel and away from our Christian faith, there needs to be maturity. We can no, no longer remain in a state of Christian infancy, content with milk. We must crave strong meat, the Bible says. If you're vegetarian, it doesn't actually mean strong meat, it just means solid food. Solid food is what we need to crave. Now, let me give you an example or two of why this is so important. This week, the news came in that Trinity Western University, which is a private Christian liberal arts university in Canada, British Columbia, It was a university that was founded in 1962 by evangelical Christians. It's a university that requires its students to agree to Christian ethics. And students must agree not to engage in, and I quote, sexual intimacy that violates the sacredness of marriage between a man and a woman. And the Law Society of British Columbia and the Law Society of Ontario decided that they would refuse to recognise law degrees from this university, a very respected university. They refused, so students who study law at these universities cannot practise law. They've learnt law, they've done the exams, they have the expertise, they have the knowledge, but they're not allowed to practise law in British Columbia or Ontario because the Law Society will not recognise this degrees from that university any longer. And so the Trinity Western University appealed to the Canadian Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court rejected the appeal, and it said that public interest in the administration of justice required the Law Societies to refuse to accredit the law school and that the community standards of the university constituted harm to LGBT people. And so, as I said, Christian graduates from those colleges, the from that university, will not be able to practise law in those two states. Now, this means, and this is my prediction, and I think any reasonable person can see where this is going, there will be a ban on Christian law degrees in other states of Canada... That's just two states. You watch. There'll be other states next. And this ruling means that the ban will also likely spread to other professions, like healthcare, education, finance, the military, academia, and the civil service. And this ruling means that these kinds of bans are likely to spread to other Western nations. If you want to see a picture of Australia in five years' time, just look to Canada. They've been ahead of us for generations in these kinds of things. It's coming here, brothers and sisters. And so what this means is that Christians are going to be compelled to make very, very hard decisions... Christian is going to have to ask, do I compromise, hide, and give up my beliefs in order to pursue a certain career path? Or do I give up certain career paths in order to uphold and to protect my beliefs? What I'm getting at is this. It is going to be extremely difficult to live as Christians in the society that is is now evolving around us. Am I saying this to frighten you or to alarm you? No. To prepare you. To prepare you. I would be seriously negligent if I did not seek to prepare my people for what I think is is a hard future. And these things are coming. And so I'm looking at our young people And I'm saying that it's going to be harder for you than it has been for us to live the consistent Christian life and to follow certain career paths. Again, it's going to be in healthcare, it's going to be in law, it's going to be in the civil service, education, academia. It's going to be hard. and because it's hard and it's going to get harder you are going to require absolute precise certainty about the gospel you're going to need to know the gospel with absolute precision and depth because if you don't you will not make right decisions if you don't your christian faith will not survive in that kind of environment. You're going to need precise and absolute certainty about Christian truth and ethics. You're going to need to be convinced that these ethics and truths are vital. You're going to need to be convinced that God will look after his children when the world turns against them. You're going to need to be convinced that persecution... It's promised in God's word, but its outcome is also promised that God will look after us and he will carry us, carry us through. You're going to need absolute certainty that Jesus Christ rules, that he's King of kings and Lord of lords, that he is on the throne and he is good. You're going to need this kind of Christian maturity, depth of knowledge and understanding if you're going to live the Christian life in this world that is unfolding around us. To survive in this post-Christian world, you will need to grow up. Picture the toddler in a harsh wilderness. He can't survive. She can't survive. And if you have a vague and infantile faith a vague and infantile understanding of God's word and the gospel, you won't survive in the harsh wilderness of a world that is forsaking God. And you will expose yourself to great harm. You'll expose those around you to great harm. You'll expose your community to great harm because God wants you to to serve and bring gospel light to your community. And you won't if you don't grasp it for yourself. Let me address our young people in particular. We are very blessed to have you. <laughs> very blessed. Very blessed for the way you're here week after week. The way you serve in our church. Just your being here is tremendous. Isn't that right, older people? Can you just affirm me on this one? It's not just me, is it? That likes our young people? <laughs> Thank you. Are you feeling affirmed, young people? (laughs) But let me address you to say, from God's word, this is just, forget the guy standing up the front with the croaky voice. This is not him speaking to you. It's your father speaking to you from his word. and Your father is saying to you, this is not your parents' church. Prayer and Bible reading is not the adults' thing. Theology class is not for the super keen. Reading good Christian books is not for the elders. That's a lie. This is your church. Prayer and Bible reading is for you. Theology class is for you. Reading good Christian books is for you if you want to have a happy and strong marriage, if God calls you to that, if you want to make a solid and loving contribution to your society, if you want to know real inward peace and joy, if you want to see Jesus' kingdom expand, if you want to see your nation find hope in Christ, if you want to be able to look back on your life, at the end of your life, And to say, that was a life worth living. Then you will need to grow up now. And it's not the guy at the front saying it. It's our Heavenly Father. You need solid food. You need to get off milk. You need to grow up. That means eating strong meat. Just on Friday afternoon I went to watch Fletcher play rugby. I think that's why this has happened all this out in the cold for about 90 minutes. <laughs> but it was worth it. Because there was I always wanted to play rugby, you see, when I was a kid. Mum and Dad thought it was too dangerous. I always wanted to so I let Fletcher play it. <laughs> and uh you know, I'm there on the sidelines and he's out there running and he's tackling and he's running for the try line and I so wish it was me out there. And in fact, twice the ball was kicked in my direction <laughs> and I, I, I marked it <laughs> once and then the second time, and people around me gave me a little clap and said, oh, you're just showing off. <laughs> and I was probably. Young people, we need you on the pitch now. This is the point of this illustration. So, we need you out on the field now. We need you out there playing, running, hard, tackling hard, pushing for the try line. We need you out there. Or this church will not be in 10 years. It'll be a shadow, it'll be a, an empty husk in 10 years. Less if you don't grow up and take hold of this church and say it's my church and that's my prayer meeting downstairs and I should be there and I should be reading this day in, day out and I need to be at church not because mum and dad say hurry up and get in the car but because I need to be there not just for myself but for my friends, my brothers and sisters. I need to be there for them. I need to encourage them by being here. Your father is saying, step up, grow up, start to mature, start to feed on solid food. Finally, finally, God is calling some of you here this morning, to full-time word ministry. God is calling some of you to, to ministry. God is calling some of you to be evangelists, chaplains, counselors, missionaries, pastors, and we need many more people to do this. The church needs many more people to put up their hand and say, yes, I would like to do that and let me tell you that being a pastor it's a wonderful job it is a wonderful job I get to to study this every day I get to meet with God's people every day it's the best job in the world and it has its hard sides like every other job but it's the best job in the world And there should be some of you out there saying, I I want that job. I want to do that. And I want to study God's word. And I want to teach other people and bring the word of God and take it out into the mission field and pass to congregations and be chaplains and be counsellors and go into the schools and take the word of God. God is calling some of you to this. Perhaps God is calling many of you to this. And I pray he is. And you say, well, how do I know? Well, here's how you know. You just start serving now. You start serving. You come and pray downstairs before church. You come and help set up. You come and help pack up. You come and say, can I read the Bible in church? And some of you are doing that. And you're serving in the music team. And some of you have stepped up to become junior leaders in youth group, and it's tremendous to see that. And this is how you do it. You begin to serve. And Jesus says, be faithful to the little things and I'll give you more. Be faithful to that and I'll give you more. Begin to serve. And you young men, if you're wondering, is God calling me to, to be a pastor? Come and talk to me. I would love to have that conversation with you. And young women, if you're thinking, is God calling me to full-time word ministry, go and talk to Naomi Warwick. He's going to be a missionary in Africa and has been a missionary in Pakistan. Go and talk to Christiane. he's doing women's ministry. Go and talk to these ladies and say, I'm wondering whether God's calling me to ministry. Let's talk. And they will be thrilled to have that conversation. So brothers and sisters, we've heard God's word today. It's a tough world and it's getting tougher, and we need to grow grow up and mature. Let's ask our Father to help us do that now. Father, thank you. Thank you, Father, for uh, prodding us, provoking us. And, Father, we confess our uh, immaturity. We confess our laziness. We confess that we're still stuck on milk. It's our own fault. Father, we pray that we might step up now, that we might pursue maturity and growth. Father, I pray for my younger brothers and sisters. I love them. And Lord, lay your hand heavy on the hearts of them. And lay your hand heavy on the hearts of young men to ask whether they should become pastors. And young women to see whether they should should become chaplains and counselors and missionaries. Women's pastors. Lord, raise up leaders, teachers, evangelists, missionaries from our church, we pray. And Father, help us now to make diligent use of the gifts you've given us for Christian growth. May our Bibles not stand idle and shut. And may we pray, gather us week after week without fail, to encourage one another, to worship you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.